Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 168 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Alphas, Bella, on kink and real life. Here's your host, The Beast. Thank you, Max. We're here with another edition of the Kiki Cast, and I'm rowing around the country, or the continent, I guess in this case, electronically, and we're coming to you from the east coast of Canada. We have Alphas Bella. Hello, Bella. Hello, Beast. We're glad to have you. I'm so excited to be here. You are one of these rare people that, that are in the community, but they sometimes get forgotten with all of the glitz and glam and all the youngins. We have people over the age of uh, 25 in our community. Yes, that's right. I'm done. I'm very happy part of the over 40 crowd. We are very common, but, but, but you would never know it from looking at, uh, kinky and popular or something, would you? No, it's true. It's, uh, it's usually the, the young and firm and still standing up straight. <laughs> and, and that's part of what, what, what we'll be talking about today as we go along is you have had to, uh, learn that sometimes our kink has to take second place to our bodies and all that, so. Absolutely. We got several, several things to bring to our guests today. Bella, how did you find kink or how did kink find you? Kink has actually, I think, really always been kind of in the background. And uh, I think most, uh, especially most rope sluts like me would agree that there's something that happened in their childhood. So as a kid, um, I had an older brother and a lot of his old friends around a lot and you know I always played the girl or the damsel and you know I'd get tied up to the tree with my skipping rope and it was always something that just appealed to me and it was kind of felt safe so as I got older and, and became extremely lucky in my partner that we're very very open and we have great communication um, you know as things evolved with us we just started discovering that more and more of our tastes ran to kink and more and more of our taste ran to the uh, the dom and sub lifestyle. You found your kink with your partner? Is that how you discovered the actual practice of it? Absolutely. I've been uh, blessed to be with him since, well, we got married and when we were 19 and 20 years old. And uh, we met at high school, so we're high school sweethearts, and we've been together ever since. Wow. Uh, and you discovered this then over time when we didn't have all of the electronic resources we had today. Absolutely. And uh, we had a large family, and we had them very early, so a lot of this evolved after the after the children. And, you know, you get to that point in your marriage where you've you've spent so much time with younger children and, and being the mom and being the dad that you start to rediscover one another, and that's where it really started to come out for us. And where did you look for resources? I think really at first, a lot of it just came from sort of trial and error with one another. Um, one of our earliest friends in the community and one of our earliest introductions in the community just came from a random night out with some friends um, drinking, and you tend to get a little bit more open. 
a little comment was made about spanking and rope. And uh, next thing we know, we're having a private conversation another night where someone said, hey, we're into this too. And let's, you know, introduce you to some other people who are into this. Um, so it really happened to be a random slip of the tongue that introduced us to our original community. A random slip of the tongue that, that played <laughs> out very well. Yes. Now we'll have to say this was on the other side of, of Canada, wasn't it? Um, Ontario's kind of in the middle and, uh, it's pretty close to Michigan. So that's where we originally lived and for pretty much our whole lives. And then, uh, just under three, just under four years ago, we moved out east. In our, our warm up conversation, we we're talking that, that this was a little bit of a problem for you because you weren't so tech savvy. So online that finding your new community took a little, was a little challenging. It was definitely challenging. And um, as I did mention earlier as well, that the community out east, well, the lifestyle out east here um, is about 20 years behind the rest of the country. People are still huge churchgoers. People are still extremely conservative. So the kink community is is more under wraps out east than it was in Ontario. So for us, there was going to be no slip of the tongue conversation. It It became a matter of seeking it out online. How did that play out for somebody that wasn't of the generation where the online was something you started at six years old? <laughs> How did that go? That, was there was there a learning curve there? My husband's better than I am. He's uh, my sir. He's better than I am. So um it was really him. He started seeking out. I mean, now we live in the YouTube age. So, you know, he started looking up some videos on YouTube about rope and, um, you know, you start reading through comments and you start kind of digging a little bit on the internet. And he's the one who found FetLife online. And uh, it's because of him signing us up on there and uh, us putting our profiles up that we wound up finding our local community here. The amazing thing is you have a local community. Yes, we do. So the province that we live in out, out east here, there's three major cities and they're kind of like a big triangle. Um, so each city has its own little small nest community and some of them have several little communities and because we're uh, easily commutable between the three there's a lot of crossover so we have our, our local scene here and we've got a group of uh, well, about 30 or 40 people but a really core group of about six that we're very close with and then there's a lot of crossover with the other communities wow six uh, and some of our listeners will will just be what <laughs> you, know, they, you know, they live in communities where, you know, it's uh, 600. I mean, that's our real core group. That's our what we consider like our family, the people that we're the closest with. But, you know, even for the larger group, there's only about 30 or 40 in our city that get, you know, together regularly or talk regularly um, or set up events regularly. So it's it's a pretty small group comparatively. There is a group everywhere. Nobody's alone anymore. That's very true. Are we're all connected now? Ah, uh, and that's such a great thing. So you're a rope slut. Oh, for sure. That's definitely my my biggest love. I've, there's lots of aspects of kink that I love, but rope is definitely one of my favorites. Let's back up just a moment. Now you said sure. you started in childhood, which so many of us did. <laughs> I remember my my foot fetish and my rope fetish kind of merged when I would tie babysitter feet. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> Got to blend it there. Uh, your childhood, it was not traumatic, was it? 
No, I I had a very I want to say normal, but it wasn't really. I mean, I come from an extremely large family. Uh, my family's Irish Catholic. There were seven of us. Oh wow! And I'm the second oldest, and I'm the oldest girl. So I really took on a parental type role in my household. But I mean, a, apart from the size of my family, I had a I actually had a, a very good childhood. My teenage years had a little bit of rumbles in them, and there's you know. Some stuff in there that I'm not super keen on, uh, on reliving some days, but I, I think that a lot of that had to come from trying to break out of that parental role at home and find myself. And, and when young girls do that, they occasionally find themselves in trouble. So, uh, we all have our adventuresome moments that, mm-hmm. that we are lucky we got away with it. Yes. And I consider them learning opportunities now. Yes. And, uh, but, but the point is we are, because we're kinky doesn't mean we come from abusive backgrounds. Oh, absolutely not. In fact, I probably came from the most vanilla background you possibly could come from. Um, you know, parents that are still together, and we're talking 50 years now they've been together. Um, almost all my siblings married and, you know, in, in their vanilla relationships. But, you know, like, I mean, I came from a church-going, happy, run-of-the-mill, right? My dad was a teacher. My mom was a homemaker, you know, just a really normal, happy childhood. It was not a traumatic childhood or a broken one at all. In fact, I would probably consider myself more healthy in my kinky life than I ever was pre-kinky life. What I found that many people say, and you may have your uh, another, is our communication skills have been so developed in in the kink community. Absolutely. And they have to be, I think, if you're going to play safely. And, and and we have to we have to make daring and dangerous feeling queries of our partners sometimes that we have to say I want to be tied up or I want to tie you up and and that's that's a, often a scary thing to tell your partner. Absolutely, it's a huge leap of faith, and even for partners like my uh, my sir and I who've been together for. Oh, we just celebrated 22 years of marriage recently, but we've been together longer than that. Um, you know, even for us who've been in this, been together for that long and we've been in the kinky lifestyle for, you know, a good eight years of that marriage, there are still times when we will ask things of one another and we're not sure how the other's going to receive it because it's pushing the envelope a little bit. But we are trained in the, in this community to be open to those requests and to hear them out and to give them consideration, I think, that is not the norm in the rest of society. Absolutely agreed. Um, a really popular saying in our community is, my kink is not your kink and that's okay. Um, it's too bad the rest of the world doesn't think that way, just in terms of, you know, what you like is great, what I like is great, but we don't have to like the same thing. Uh, to be supportive and get along. Exactly. Yep, exactly. You are a real woman. You've had uh, children and you've had ups and downs and complications in your life, mm-hmm. but you still find time for kink. Uh, so I was reading some of your writings and you say that the fact that we are human and got our frailties don't have to end our kink life. Yes, Tell us, what are some of those things, hurdles that you find that you run into now? Oh, well, we've got, we've got quite the list. Um, two and a half years ago, um, my sir, Alpha, had a massive, uh, heart attack. Wow. And, uh, he actually had a, he had a cardiac arrest. So 
he uh, his heart stopped and um, he very nearly died. And he was only 39 years old at the time. So it put a halt to everything for us for months. Uh, he was a good six months on recovery until he was back to normal. And it was a good four months until we had sex again, let alone any kind of kink play that took even longer. So, I mean, there's that kind of disruption. And I myself have a autoimmune disease. And you never know when that's going to flare up. That could, I could be fine for months and then I could be, you know, terrible for months. And it puts a hamper on what you can and can't safely play. I mean, there's so many facets of, of kink that don't require, um, heavy impact or, you know, something extreme. There's lots of ways of playing without the heavy or the extreme aspects of it, but it puts a hamper on what you can safely do. So we've certainly had to modify how it is that we connect with each other when we need that release in accordance to where our health is at that time. But it doesn't have to shut everything down. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would imagine even when he was recovering from his heart attack and everything was a little dicey, don't want to get the blood pressure up, don't want to do all that, you still were playing the mental games. Mm -hmm. You were still very much present. Oh, for sure. And, you know, he loves to say that he gets into my mind first. And boy, is he really good at doing that. So <laughs> that's the that's the biggest uh, sex organ you have is your brain. And as long as he's got that activated, and that's sometimes that's all I need. Our Our sex lives do not have to end at 25. Oh, no. My sex life has gotten better since uh, 35, I think. It's all been uphill from here. <laughs> I know what I want more. I know, you know, he can read my body like a book, so he can read my physical responses. We're so much more comfortable with each other. I think once you're, once you're over a certain age, you're less afraid of what your partner's going to think of you, and you're more concerned with, am I enjoying this? Is this working for me? And I, I find that, uh, you know, being able to just release and let go comes much easier. You're also got a family. I do. And those are more limitations that, but children don't have to end your sex life either, do they? No. And actually we're very, very open with our children. Um, as I said, we had our kids very young. So our children are now between the ages of 23 and 15. Um, our older two children don't live at home anymore. And our younger children are aware of our lifestyle in an age appropriate manner. Yes. So they, they're quite aware that we live a kink lifestyle and, um, when they have questions, they ask and when they don't, they don't. And sometimes they'll ask us something and we say, I swear, if you ask me again, I'll tell you. And they know that means they probably <laughs> don't want the answer and they let it go. <laughs> but in this day and age of, of, uh, mainstreaming of our lifestyle, uh, what the questions can be are much different than they were a few years ago, even. Oh, for sure. I wouldn't have dreamed of asking my mother anything about sex at all, let alone anything about the kink community. And I actually take it as a point of pride that I can explain to our kids that, you know, what's, what's displayed in things like Fifty Shades of Grey is not even remotely close to what this lifestyle is actually like. That's a very glamorized, glossed over version. Simplified. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Have you found that the questions have changed between your older kids and your younger kids even? Yes, I did. Yes, I have. My older kids are, they weren't terribly interested in really knowing a whole lot. Um, but then they were sort of in that cusp of the internet age. So 
you know, they were, they were young kids when the internet kind of came up. My younger kids more grew up with it. And I find that they have a lot more in-depth questions. Um, my youngest daughter actually, who's about to turn 17, I got a good kick out of this. She and her boyfriend, when they first got together, had a conversation about boundaries. And she told me about it. And I said to my husband later, I said, you know, what 17-year-old is talking about boundaries? What 17-year-old even know what that word exactly. means in that context? And I said, you know, that's that's on us. That's on us having conversations with the kids about, you know, knowing their bodies and knowing what they are comfortable with and what they're not and not being afraid to say it. And I will, again, I'll go on the record as saying that I think the kink parents that don't let themselves become paralyzed, they actually make healthier children emotionally if they are open and candid as is age appropriate with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think, I mean, conversation is key anyway when you're raising children. Um, you're not doing them any favors by shutting off certain conversations because they might be uncomfortable. But especially kink parents, I find, because they're already living in a lifestyle that promotes so much communication and questioning things and, you know, trust, um, it just, it, whatever you model is what your children are going to pick up on. What is going to happen if one of your kids ends up being kinky? Small town kink, and the chances are much higher here. Yes, and actually we've had this conversation. Um, so we do have a child who is over the age of 18 who is on FET. We have uh, said we're not telling you our handle and don't tell us yours. And uh, we have uh, we have had this conversation about one of our other children who we're fairly certain is going to wind up in the lifestyle. So if we are all living in the same place, of course there's going to be some crossover of people that you know. But um, – Alpha and I have always had a very hard rule that we don't play younger than 10 years. So if we're playing with other people, 10 years younger is our limit. And that's a really great buffer zone for us when it comes to whether or not our children ever get involved in the community because we're steering well clear of their age group. Yeah, their age group is 10 years still off of your age, of your floor yeah. there. So Exactly. So what about the same room, though? Parties are parties. <laughs> uh, well, we haven't, we've, uh, we've hosted some friends at our place before, but, um, our children are either not home, um, or we, we are lucky enough to have, um, a finished basement. So the children may be up on the top floor and we're down, huh. but we don't tend to play when they're anywhere, like when there's any possibility of knowing that they're going to accidentally walk in on anything. And they do know a lot of our very, very close friends. So they know if we've got plans to have them over, they usually make themselves pretty scarce. Well, you have you have trained them well. My congratulations. Oh yes. <laughs> well, nobody wants to walk in on their parents at the best of time, and they certainly don't want to walk in on them when they're practicing kink. <laughs> this is this is true. Yeah. I just worry about parents that are too rigid about things. So uh, never want them their kids to see them kiss or or snuggle or anything like that. What kind of role models are you being for healthy? relationships yeah and that's exactly the point when you model behavior that's what your children will see and that's what they'll learn as as they're normal and a kink aside we're we're a very physically affectionate couple so our kids have grown up seeing us you know kissing and touching and and we we're like that in public we're like that at home that's just who we are so it's to them that's that's the normal of how a relationship should be but i do get uh worried when uh especially when you have people that are new to the community and 
although we don't play with younger people, we do meet with them quite often, um, especially those who are curious about the DS lifestyle because we live it every day. Um, and that's very fascinating to younger people who are just coming in. And when you have someone coming in who's not comfortable with physical touch as a part of their normal life, you can read it on their body language. And so I get worried that, you know, they're going to find the right person to kind of mentor them into the lifestyle when they need to get that comfort level for themselves first. What is in the future here? What's in the future for you? Uh, for us, we're right now we're kind of in that really nice stasis. We, like I mentioned, we have a, a finished basement. We had, we had a little granny apartment down there and our oldest who had been living in it has recently moved out. So that is now being turned into our playroom. And we've never really had a dedicated space before. We've always just kind of had our bedroom. So this is this is the next thing for us is building our playroom and, and giving ourselves a dedicated space. And to the absolute um, happiness of our children, it is two floors away from them in their bedrooms. <laughs> so they're very thrilled about that uh, for sure. But uh, my sir is, is really, really happy to have a place that, you know, as soon as you enter it, it's not just your bedroom, it's your playroom. So the mindset immediately is there. Yes. They say take the TV out of the bedroom so you don't confuse the spaces. And many people, that is a problem, is their bedroom is also their kink space. And there's so much more to life than our kink. It's so integral to our life. There's so much more. And I think that having separate spaces is really, really a good way to to create the boundaries and to get you in that right space at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a luxury that we're, we're very aware. It's a luxury that we're able to have that where we are. Um, we wouldn't have had that in our previous home. We just didn't have the room for it. And not every house is going to, but yeah, to, to have that place where you can unplug. I can't always unplug my head when I need to when we're in our bedroom because one ear is always listening for us. Somebody walking down the hall. Is there someone going to the bathroom? Is there, you know, I might be making noise. So to have a place where I don't have to do that, um, it's just going to be a better for us i think in our play you are a 24 7 couple we are what does 24 7 look like for you uh 24 7 for us um i don't always call him sir i most of the time refer to him by his first name um unless he's specifically asked me to call him sir and we live like most normal married couples with the exception that i will wear my collar at home and when my collar is on i'm very much in the submissive role which means that uh, I might be just going about my daily business or I might have specific requests for that day. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to play that day either or play a scene. It might just mean that for that day I'm in, I'm in obedience mode and, and that's uh, how I'm going through my day, which in, is, in itself is a mind, uh, a mind thing. You know, you're, you're getting inside somebody's head and me being able to surrender my control is something that really is I'm not even sure how I'm going to phrase it. It's, it's just something that really works for me. It's it's my relaxation. It's my release. My husband's uh, also in a very high-powered job. So to come home and to kind of put that mind frame on with me, it's a way for him to let go of the job stuff and really hone in and focus on just our relationship and our connection. Um, it might mean something as simple as me sitting at his feet and while he plays at my hair. But um for us, it just means that we know that our roles within the house are he is the dominant and I'm the submissive. So we're really working at what his desires are for a given day. It doesn't have to be all Gorian, Kajura. 
poses and and all of the complex trappings. It's the little subtle things that make it work. Yes, absolutely. And for some people, that works great. Um, and we've certainly had days where we've done a scene that was Gorian. Uh, but for us, that would be a scene. So our variation of, of DS is really more of the um, the control, like the mind connection, the physical connection, and the real distinct roles that we play, and, and less with uh, subservient, like, holding a pose and uh, I do have to learn them. <laughs> he's, he's given me that as a task for this year, but uh, it's not something that becomes or it's part of our regular repertoire. So somebody observing from the outside really would not notice anything amiss uh, other than you were playing a more subservient role to him, but it wouldn't be so obvious that it would be out of character in any setting. Exactly. And, uh, and they might not even notice that I was being subservient too, because a lot of that is so subtle. Now, he, you know, he'll let me know in a heartbeat if I'm being a little bit too bratty. He's got a little finger twitch that he does, and I know I got a punishment coming for that later. But, uh, unless you're, unless you know us very well, you have no idea that he's just exercised his dominance and letting me know that my behavior is, is getting a little bratty and I'm going to get uh, corrected. So to all the parents out there, all of the more mature set with real-life complications, does it have to bring your kink to a screaming halt? Absolutely not. In fact, I think there's more freedom in it um, to us now than there was when we were younger. You know, when you're younger, and, and I don't want to pigeonhole all young people because that would be unfair of me as well, but when you're younger, and I certainly know I was guilty of this, you know, you're young, you're cute, you've got energy, you're slender, you feel sexy all the time, you want to show it off, and you love getting the attention in the comments. I'm Certainly, I still love those things, but now it's, for me, more about finding out more of myself through my kink and through my role and through my sir's role. The self-discovery aspect to this is really its best reward. Wow, you are really, really selling it for people that <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you're, you're making it accessible to our listeners, and we appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. And I hope it would be. I mean, it's not, it's still not going to be for everybody, but it shouldn't be a scary thing that people think is intimidating and difficult to get into. It's not. It's really about a journey of self discovery. What are some of your role models that you have found that, that have helped you along the way? Are they, are they fantasy characters? Are they literary? Or is it something you totally created on, on your own? Any, uh, any ins- yeah. ins- inspirations? Oh, absolutely. Um, about, oh, I'm going to say about six years ago or so, a girlfriend of mine introduced me to a writer named Tiffany Reese from Seattle. Um, Tiffany Reese writes BDSM fiction, and it is the most accurate to the lifestyle fiction I have ever read in my life. It's, uh, it's definitely edgy. She pulls no punches. You know, she's, she's not flirty or floaty with the language. She's very direct. Her characters are so extremely clearly written that you feel that you know them. And yet she pays such homage to the community, to the kink lifestyle. And she's so respectful of it that it's easy to see that this is really no different than someone who's a devout Catholic or someone who's a Muslim who prays at a specific time of day. It's everybody's 
own proclivity and how that works for them. It just so happens that this one is kink. Um, when I started reading her books, that's when I really felt like I needed to dig deeper and really discover exactly where my specific kinks were, what my actual specific needs were, and um, and how to approach my sir with that. And knowing your needs, that's uh, your your wants and your needs, and knowing how to separate them is very important. Is very important. Yeah, very important. There have been days where I've just been tense all day, and it's been you know a hell of a day at work, or you know the the kids have stuff going on, and I'm just losing my mind. And I said to him, "Look, can you please just cane me for about twenty minutes?" And we don't need to do anything else, but I need that release. I wouldn't have known that about myself six years ago. I probably wouldn't have known that about myself three years ago, but it's something I know now and I can ask for, and he's more than happy to provide it because he can read my body and what I need and when I've got that, that release from it. It's the human creature is such a complex creature and our physical habits are, are such an integral part of us and that just that that few minutes can totally change the whole chemistry of your body and mind. It's amazing what it can do. Yeah, absolutely. Bella, I really want to thank you for talking with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure, Beast. Thank you for having me. And you turned us on to Tiffany. We'll have to track Tiffany down. She is marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Um, so check out her, I think they're called the Original Sinners series. But yeah, she's uh, directly responsible, I think, for me diving deeper into my personal journey. We appreciate you sharing your story and your journey with us. And I know that our listeners are going to find a lot of information that will inspire them and and bring them to a more authentic place in their own journey. So thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 168 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we chat with Maggie LaFay on being kinky for 50 years.